Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep together in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. I'm Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today once again by my colleague, Pastor Mike Toomey. Welcome, Mike. Hey, it's good to be back, and I'm so excited to talk to you about today's lessons here. Yeah, we're excited too. So we're moving. We've gone from Genesis, and we, we closed out Genesis last week, and we are going to move into a new book, the book of Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament. And today we're going to read a story. We're going to be in the third chapter. We're going to read a story about a man named Moses and this encounter that he has with God. And the encounter he has is is out in the wild uh, seeing a burning bush. And I'm wondering, as we uh, start that story today, Pastor Mike, have you ever had an experience in the wilderness that was uh, unexpected? Oh, unexpected, yes. Um, several times, like I actually catch a fish or um, <laughs> I, I actually see the, uh, you know, the 30-point buck, right? Those are yeah. the unexpected. But I, I think when I when I think about this story that we're going to encounter, I think mountains. Hmm. And uh, a number of years ago, I went to Montana to go on a bear hunt. No, I didn't even see a bear while I was there, but I saw the mountain. Hmm. And um, I did a little research, and uh, Mount Horeb, is about um, roughly 6,500 feet high. Okay. And the mountain that I was kind of paying most of my attention to was about 6,800 feet high, so about the same. And when you back up and you see this gorgeous mountain and there's snow on the top and there's the trees and there's the green on the bottom, I mean, sometimes the unexpectedness is just standing back and enjoying the mountain and saying, I'm going to climb this thing. I'm going to I'm going to walk up this mountain just to see the absolute beauty of everything that's there. And then when you get get to the top and you're able to see across some of the additional range, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And so that's sometimes the unexpectedness is to yeah. just all of a sudden poke your head over the ridge and it's interesting. We look for God in lots of places and sometimes God's right there and we just need to open our eyes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fantastic experience to be in the mountains. Wonderful. Well, we're going to go to a different mountain range, and we're going to spend some time here with Moses, folks who are following along. We are in Exodus. We're going to read the third chapter in its entirety, and this is from, uh, we're reading today from the NIV. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord God saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Master Mike, as you hear those words, what are the things that, that stick out to you in that reading? This is a, a, a tremendous uh, and pivotal, pivotable, is that the right word? Pivotal? Pivotal, is that about right? Okay, this is a, a pivot point within Scripture. This is where Moses encounters God in, in, in a way face-to-face or face-covered-to-face. And as, as he, he meets God, that, that's one of those things that sticks out, right? He, he, he covers his face. But I, I think as I'm going here, it really comes into this is the name of God. In this particular chapter, we get the name of God. We, we really haven't had that before. Hmm. Um, we've used some different words for God, but here God reveals his name to Moses. It comes from yep. him. Okay. Yeah, that's that seems to be very important, doesn't it? And we'll get to that in a moment. You know, one of the things that, that I think of when I see this or when I'm reading this is, is there's almost this refrain that ties us back to what happened in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And it's through God speaking. And it's it's these words that, that God repeats over and over again. Uh, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I think there's, you know, we're in a new book here. And, and there was a, a narrative break from, we moved from Joseph and now to, to the people of Israel being in Egypt but this refrain from God kind of ties us back, harkens back, keeps us rooted, I think, in that story uh, of the promise that came first to Abraham. Any other things that, that stick out to you, Pastor Mike, before we go any deeper? I, I think one of the other things that we probably should look at a little later is Moses asks, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And I do want to go into that quite a bit later because in some senses, Moses is the ideal person. He is the absolute ideal person to 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 to, to do this. And um, he's balking. <laughs> he He's hearing the call of God and he is turning it down. Yep. This divine call with a very human rejection. Yep. No, thank he, you. He, Not me. I've been there before. I don't want to go back. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So let's let's maybe back up ourselves. Uh, we started with chapter three. How did we get here? Uh, who are the who? Who is Moses? So Genesis ends kind of on a happy note or on a resolve note. It's a very natural place to end the book. Um, the Hebrew people are in Egypt, and things are generally good for them. And the the brothers of. Uh, of Joseph, um, they're they're coming to some sense of um, holy closure. We'll put it that way, because they had all sorts of mess yep. in their family. They had they were a dysfunctional, functional family, and and they seem to have somewhat resolved that particular particular pain within their family at that point. Things seem to be good, but then we open up the book of Exodus. Why do we need Ex- You know, why do we have this story? It's because we have conflict. We have a problem. And the first few verses of Exodus um, talk about um, Joseph's family and, and that 70 people went down into Egypt and then a number of years pass. And that the um, Israelite people, the, the Hebrew people, are doing very, very well. And then in verse 8 in chapter 1, it says this, Then a new king whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Now we have some conflict. 
And look, he said to the people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal with them shrewdly. And basically, we, we need to um, limit these the number of Israelites that we have. Uh, in, in a real way, we're starting to look at the very first Holocaust. Mm. Wow. We're, we're starting to look at the first Holocaust right, right here in Exodus. And so how is God going to deal with this problem? So, so the Pharaoh in Egypt moving the Israelites into forced labor, um, eventually coming to a place where the, the king in Egypt is saying, you know, to the, the midwives who are delivering the children of the Hebrew people when, when a, a male is born, kill them. Right. Which is just this horrible, horrible order. It, 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 it's not only horrible, and then it's... It, Exodus does not paint a good picture of the Pharaoh at all. One, not only is Pharaoh evil, but he's not very smart. First of all, if you have a numerous people living in your land and you're worried about them siding with your enemies, how should you deal with them? Should you deal with them harshly? That's what he does. He's going to make them very unfavorable to the Egyptian people. Um, You're not winning any friends in this moment. Uh, The second thing is, if you need to limit the number of people, do you take care of the women or do do you kill off the women or do you kill off the men? It's a horrid way to think about this, but you're doing nothing for population control when you're taking out the boys. Mm. It is a strategic error. And the plan doesn't work, ultimately. That's the biggest thing. That's, that's the, God continues, as the, as the Hebrew people are oppressed, the better they do. As the Israelites are oppressed, the better they do. Um, um, the, these, these two particular midwives, um, Shipra and Pua, they, they come in and they, they, they're saviors to these little boys. To these baby boys, they're absolute saviors, and they make sure that these children, these children live. And again, they, they make Pharaoh out to be a fool. So and, Moses, who is a, a man mm-hmm. in the, the chapter we read, is born into that circumstance yep. where where the the male children of the Hebrews are are being threatened or killed and and Moses is saved from that. He is. And the the interesting thing is he is saved um, um his his mother um um com, you know basically says to his sister, you know, let's put him in a papyrus basket covered in tar and pitch. The interesting thing about that is it's the exact same words this basket is the same word for the word ark in Genesis that we heard about in Noah. Oh, interesting. So it's it's God's deliverance. It is literally a baby ark. Huh. <clears throat> so you think about how does God deliver his people? So often the, the theme of water comes up, right? Yeah. God delivered Noah through the floods. Um, he delivers Moses through the Nile River. And um, and, and as this baby is floating in the Nile, um, who, who happens to see it but the princess... The, the, the princess of, of, of uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. And um, she takes this uh, cute little baby boy into her home and she needs somebody to feed it. And so what is what happens there is they, they happen to go find Moses' mother. And so she continues to take care of her son. And not only does she get to take continue to take care of her son, but she gets paid for it. Wow. The irony that happens here, I mean, as we're reading Holy Scripture, I think sometimes we should be laughing out loud. God continues to work through here in ways that continually um, um, stop evil 
That's what God is doing. He's stopping the evil that's happening here. The Pharaoh says, this is how this is going to go. And, and God sort of steps back and says, well, <laughs> you Let's can see. make your plan, but mine will ultimately be the one that comes yeah. to fruition. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about names. You mm-hmm. talked before about the name of God. Yep. You know, we've seen in Scripture that that names are so very vital and important. Yep. And they actually they tie people to God's promises for them. So, I mean, I think about, you know, we... We talked about the name of Isaac and how Isaac means laughter, and, yes. and that was tied to this, the fact that that both Abraham and Sarah laughed when God said that they were going to have this child, and and so there's some irony there in the name Isaac. The name Moses, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it, it means drawn out of the water or right. saved from the water. Yep, and and it's Pharaoh's daughter that gives Moses his 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 name. I drew him out of the water. Now, so Moses here is drawn out of the water, and he's going to get drawn out of the water again later on in his life, about 80 years later. And I think the next time you guys have a podcast, you're going to be talking about um, the splitting of the Red Sea, I believe. I'm not, I don't remember exactly, but later on in another podcast, we're going to hear about drawing him out of the Red Sea. And, and so that's a, another interesting aspect here, right? His name is really about the saving, um, um, God's saving hand working through, through, through Moses. So what about the name of God, this name that, that God gives to himself mm-hmm. in this story? So maybe if we want to peek at that, it's, it's in chapter 3 and starts at about verse 13, 14 in that area. 11, 12, 13, yeah. Um, what's, what, what's my name? And um, um, we get there in verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now, most of you have footnotes in your Bibles. If, you, if you've been following around in your scripture, um, another way to translate that is, I will be who I will be. Um, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am. That's where we get um, um, the word for God, and, and um, uh, most Jewish people don't uh, lightly say this. In fact, uh, they, 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 they try to avoid saying this in a at all because we're worried about saying it properly, but um, um, we, we would say Yahweh has sent me to you. Um, I did a little bit of um, study on this or, or going back to some um, professor's teachings of mine. Um, his name was uh, Terry Fretheim. He, he wrote a commentary for interpretation, um, did a lot of work in the Old Testament. And um, as I was reading through that, and trying to sum up all of that is, I mean, there's so many things that we can go here, but in one way, um, this is the God who is eternal. I am. I will be who I will be. Mm-hmm. Um, in another way, it's God is the one who self-determines who he will be. Um, it's, in other words, God is the creator. Um, God is eternal. Um, I also, as I'm reading this, think I am the God of possibilities. And then the other pieces that get in here are this is a God who we will get to know because he hears his people. He responds to his people. He is with his people. Um, the, the way that um, Terry Fredheim was really kind of concluding his 
part of the, the name of God is really saying in his mind, and I love this idea, is this God is the God who is for you. He is for his people. And I think that begins to show to you and to me um, the divine nature of God, that this is a God who is for his people. Wow. There's so much depth in just those few you know that that short verse. That, and I think interesting too that that the name of God. It's a, it's an active verb. I am yeah. or I will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, God isn't somewhere else, right? God, in His very own name, shows us that that He is active, moving in the lives of you know the Israelites. But as we read this now, to say, God sees me. God's concerned about my life. Right. God knows me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a uh, beautiful, and you can see why, why uh, Jewish people are wanting to use that name with great care, yes. right? With with fear, with reverence, with yeah. And you just got done preaching a sermon on this as well. On how do we use the name of God? Is it, this is a, a ends up being a commandment, right? Um, do not use the, Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain. And our, our tradition that we come out of is not only are we to um, use it well, um, but we're to use it in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Right? I think those are some of those things that we have to uh, uh, attend to here as well. Um, don't use this. Don't use this uh, lightly. Don't use it as a curse word. Right. Use it in a way that brings prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. Way that honors the the God who who promises to be with His people. Yep. So so Moses meets God in this amazing way, the the bush mm-hmm. that doesn't burn up, and then God has something for Moses to go and do. Yep. And you brought this up earlier. Yep. Uh, let's move to that point where God gives Moses a a task, a mission. A yep. he thoroughly rejects it. <laughs> he, five different times he tries to put off this task. Who am I is kind of the first um, uh, rejection, if I remember right. Who am I that, um, that you would do this? I think one of the things that can surprise us about four chapters of Scripture is more than 80 years have passed. And in Moses' life, 80 years have passed. For the first 40 years, he is in Pharaoh's court. Hmm. He has access to the Pharaoh. He has access to education. Um, He has been well-trained in leadership. For the next 40 years, he tends sheep in the desert. All over the Sinai Peninsula, all over Midian, um, he's tending flocks in the desert. He has 40 years of experience in the wilderness when we begin to understand that as Pharaoh or as uh, Moses has to lead people away from Pharaoh, it's going to take some leadership and understanding who Pharaoh is. And it's going to take knowledge of the wilderness as well Hmm. as he leads people from, uh, from Egypt into the Holy land that uh, ends up taking a 40 year detour. God has been preparing Moses for 80 years for this particular task. He is the most qualified person out there. 
to do He just do doesn't it. see it. He doesn't see it, no. And interesting, isn't it, that so God, God says, this is who, my, who am I? I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And then Moses says, well, who am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who am I? <laughs> uh, and, and probably, I mean, it, the text doesn't say this, but I wonder if Moses is, is thinking, well, now I'm in the presence of this perfect, almighty mm-hmm. God. Who am I in relation to that God? Right. I think an interesting way that God does say uh, what does God does say to Moses is I'm going to be with you. Yeah. I am going to be with you. I, I think for me um, to understand that God is with us, God's presence is more than enough through any and every difficult difficulty that we face in life, and through every joy that we face in life. God's presence is more than enough. And that's that's probably more important than the answer to the question, who am I? Yep. 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 Regardless of who I am and what I've done and where I've been and my past, the promise that God sees me and is with me in the midst of life is essential. God takes our past and he puts a purpose to it. Again, um, 40 years in the courtyard, right, in, in, in Pharaoh's court, um, 40 years in the desert. God re- is redeeming all of that, and he's going to use everything. I think there's a life lesson for all of us, that God can use us no matter what our past is and purpose that. Um, he will purpose that. He will. One of the things that, that we've noticed as we, we've gone through these, these stories in the Old Testament is that God's promise in Jesus is present from the very beginning. And as, as we read these words uh, earlier, this is from the third chapter, the seventh verse, I'm just starting about halfway God says, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. And then verse 8 begins this way. So I have come down to rescue them. I have come down to rescue them. To me, that promise of Jesus coming down into the world leaps off that page. Yes, it does. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we see and uh, the similarities. We see this almost as a prophecy of, of who Jesus will be for us. Again, a God who hears us, a God who is with us in our suffering, a God who delivers us from our suffering, um, a God who delivers us from slavery. Um, um, he delivers from from slavery to sin, death, and devil. Um, and, and I find it interesting, again, how does he do that? He does that through water. Hmm. Um, Moses being drawn out of, of the Nile or, is kind of like a baptism. Um, going through the Red Sea is kind of like a baptism. It's going from death to life. Yep. Only in, in God's action, right? By God's hand. It's not, yeah, yeah this is God's hand. God, God brings us from death 
to life. Um, Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say it quite well enough because I, I know it in about three different versions. But when we were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death. So therefore, um, by baptism, we, we have been saved. Right? We've, been, we've been drawn out. We've been brought from death into life. So just as he lives, we too shall have a new life. So we're all a little bit like Moses. We're all a little bit like Moses. <laughs> Maybe some days more than others, especially <clears throat> mm-hmm. the who am I moments. Yeah, think about that in your life. When have you said that? Who am I? For those people that, um, when I was in college, I was um, Hope's, one of Hope's custodians. Mm-hmm. And we had a gal come in on a Saturday and um, the doors of the church were open, and she said, I need to talk to a pastor. And these were the days when cell phones were just starting to become common, and, and nobody had anyone's cell phone number. And so I think I called up all the pastors. It's a Saturday. They're, they're out doing, or, you know, taking care of family stuff, right? Um, um, and I'm thinking to myself, who am I to help this person? Mm. I'm a college student that, just trying to figure out life. And I said to her, what, I said, I can't get a hold of one. How can I help you? And she says, would you pray with me? Mm-hmm. And I think this was probably the, one of the first times that I've ever prayed with somebody that I really didn't know. And so my question to God was, who am I? Mm-hmm. And I think I stumbled through a prayer. But again, it's not about me about the God who is with us in the act of ministry. So I think that's one of the things I want everybody to know is God is with you. And God will use you wherever you're at for the sake of helping people know that there is freedom in Christ Jesus. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. We are, the stage is set uh, we've got Moses and the Israelites. We've got Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Uh, and and we're going to see how God uses this man, Moses, who says, who am I, to, to ultimately deliver the Israelites and to, to redeem them. So we will be back. We'll be back next week as we continue the story of Exodus. Thank you, thank you, each one of you for listening. We are so glad to have you with us. Remember to stay in the word of God and to stay deeply rooted.